This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, this is Dr. Judy Cook welcoming you to Shrink Wrapped, a place where you can learn skills to shrink away your troubles, wrap yourself in more enjoyment, and begin to find more rapture about being in this incredible universe. Today's topic is, is this mental or physical or both? It is so important for people to get past any sense of shame about emotional distress and even their fears about possible mental illness. Why is this important? Because with any illness, the earlier you catch it and begin treating it, the better things are going to go. More important, there may be issues that you can intercept very early on in the game. And still more important is the fact that many times emotional issues are driven by some kind of underlying medical or physical issue. It could be a medication. It could be a physical illness. It could be some kind of physical trauma. It could be an infectious disease. But there are many, many things that can affect our emotional state that could cause us worsening physical problems if we don't listen when our brain says, hey there, something's going on, pay attention. Many people are not aware of the very strong ties between our emotional and our physical health. Each can affect the other, so that if we are physically ill, it may affect our mood. And by the same token, if we are emotionally upset, it can cause or worsen a physical problem and make us more prone also to accidents and injuries. One of the things I have watched happen over my career in the medical field is what I call the medicalization of emotional issues. So that, for example, when people have anxiety and panic, they may have it diagnosed by a non-psychiatrist as something like mitral valve prolapse, so that it sounds like a medical problem And yet the treatment is very much the same, but the underlying issue of anxiety then does not get addressed. Another issue is the whole burgeoning industry calling everything a chemical imbalance. In other words, your serotonin or your dopamine or some other chemical is out of balance and therefore you need a pill to fix that imbalance. Now I'm a psychiatrist so I do prescribe medications and they do have their place and yet this whole issue of medications I believe has gone too far. We look for new things to label it and we develop more and more pills and it's now a $100 billion industry in terms of psychiatric medications. And yet, what we're actually seeing 
is a worsening of a lot of problems. Even though we may have sociocultural problems that contribute to our distress, if all those pills were working so well, why is it that we are seeing increased deaths by suicide, increased deaths by polysubstance abuse, and even increased deaths by a lot of our medical issues, which we had thought were on the decline. And then, of course, there is the problem that occurs of the side effects that can happen from many of these medications, some of which can be very serious, and also the issue of interactions and the fact that many doctors nowadays, and this is not only in psychiatry but in other areas as well, will often add on medications without stopping the one that appears to be not working, thus increasing the chances of side effects and drug interactions. And again, some of those problems can be very serious. Some of them are issues like weight gain, and some of that will reverse when you stop the medicines. And some of them cause a metabolic syndrome that's weight gain and diabetes, and sometimes high blood pressure, and sometimes those do not resolve when you stop the medicines. Now, I'm not telling you this because I want to scare you away from taking medications, but because I want you to be aware, be an active and alert participant with your doctor in the whole process, keep track of things, and be willing to ask questions like, if this medicine isn't working, can we stop it and try something new? And don't get into the pattern of thinking that more is better in terms of numbers of medicines. In the first half of the show, I want to educate you about what some of these problems are and some of the problems they can cause. And in the second half of the show, I will give you some instructions on things that you can do to be more involved, to know how to track things, to know how to interact with your doctor so that you can optimize the effects of medications, minimize their problems, and improve both your mental and your physical health. It is so important to realize, though, the very tight tie between our emotional and our physical health. When, for example, people have open-heart surgery, it's not at all unusual for them to become depressed. On the other hand, if someone is very stressed, it's not unusual for them to have symptoms like high blood pressure, weight gain, irritability, palpitations in their heart, and a whole number of other things. So it's important for you to be tuned in to what is happening with your body, with your moods, in order to help your doctor make the right diagnosis and get you on the right track for treatment. If you don't go in and talk to them about those emotional things, as well as those physical things, you may wind up on the wrong treatment, and you may make the treatment course a whole lot longer before you ever get to something effective. And you may, again, wind up on way more medications than you need. 
stress is a very big cause of problems for people. And that stress is getting worse and worse. And it's driven by a number of things, including decreased closeness of people in our society, increased electronic communication, and more than that, increased negative news and increased things like advertisements convincing you of all of the problems that you have, whether they're really there or not. These, again, can affect your emotional health, your physical health, your overall sense of worth and well-being and okayness as you're existing in this world. We have enough things to deal with without having all of that layered on top of it and not having the skills to recognize when that is happening so that we can proceed accordingly. I want to give you some examples of some psychiatric disorders that can be diagnosed and in fact be misdiagnosed, not just for other psychiatric problems, but also you may be diagnosed with a psychiatric problem when it's an underlying medical problem or vice versa. Some of those disorders that can be misdiagnosed include ADHD, Alzheimer's, Asperger's, addiction, bipolar disorder, depression, and schizophrenia. That's a big part of our psychiatric spectrum. Let me tell you just a little bit about each of these. I actually have a four-hour series of blog talk radio programs just on ADHD, with one of those hours talking about what, it, what ADHD is, what it truly looks like, and what proper medical treatment is. And the other three hours are spent looking at other things that may look like ADHD, but really aren't. One of my pet peeves is also Alzheimer's. There's a tendency these days to call anything that looks demented Alzheimer's. And yet, there no. The bottom line is, all dementia is not alike. Alzheimer's is a very specific kind of dementia that still can only truly be diagnosed by autopsy or biopsy. And it is far from the only kind of thing that can cause you to be having issues with memory. And those other things can include things like urinary tract infections, medications, other medical illnesses, head trauma, changes in blood pressure, changes in blood sugar, and a number of other issues. So it's very important to have a very clear history of how and when it came on before that diagnosis is made and Alzheimer's should be the diagnosis by exclusion and not the first choice. Another area is the whole area of autism spectrum disorders. And there's a tendency here to call everything Asperger's. I'm sorry, but there are several different things that can happen in terms of autism disorders. And Asperger's is one very specific one 
and it needs to be treated differently than some of the other disorders. For example, if you have a pervasive developmental disorder where there's an impairment in fine and gross motor coordination and speech and intellectual ability, that's very different from the person with Asperger's who is generally very bright and just lacks social skills. Addiction issues really trouble me because there is a tendency to say, oh, it's just an addiction, when in fact, seeing somebody who just has an addiction is very rare. Underlying that addiction is usually a tremendous amount of emotional pain and people are trying to escape that pain by burying it under these mind-altering chemicals. The big problem is it doesn't work and then it can become a problem that feeds on itself. But it's apt to not get corrected until the underlying emotional pain is resolved. Sometimes the pain is from an actual psychiatric diagnosis and sometimes it's not. Drug abuse can also be something that makes people look like a primary psychiatric disorder when that's not going on. And it can also make them look like they have various kinds of medical disorders and threaten their lives. All that is psychosis is not schizophrenia. There are many things, again, that can cause someone to be psychotic. Medications, head trauma, seizures, infections, endocrine disorders. These are all things that can cause psychosis. They can cause depression. They can cause things even to look like bipolar disorder. And it's very important to rule these issues out before you make a psychiatric diagnosis. Let's take a short break and then we will come back and talk about some of the self-defense things that you can do to deal with this whole situation. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com. to shrink wrapped where our goal is to help you shrink away many of your emotional and even medical problems in this case by taking more control of your own life in fairly simple fashion one of the most important things for you to do is to keep track of things that are happening with you that are changing not, not little bitty things, of course, the day-to-day things, but if you're starting to feel sick, you want to track the time course, how long it's been going on, what were the symptoms when it started, how it's continued to get worse, and any things that might have been going on in your life to bring about those changes. That might be an accident, an injury, a change in medication, some other physical illness, 
some stress or major change that's going on in your life, such as grief or marriage or bringing a new child into the world. Even good things can be stressful. Your child having problems at school can be a very stressful thing. Or if they're being a teenager and doing some of the things that teenagers can do to really stress parents. So as you notice yourself beginning to feel worse, whether it's physically or emotionally, track it. Go ahead and track it on the calendar. It's okay to do that. One of the things that's also very important is tracking any changes that you have in medications. Not just the medication, because you want to track when you started it, with what doctor, and why you started it. But also, did you feel better, worse, or just the same? And if you felt better or worse, how did you feel better or worse? Let's go back for a second to tracking your history. If, for example, a few years ago, a gentleman who went to Presbyterian Hospital had given the history of I've just come over from Africa in an area where there is Ebola and I was with a person who died of Ebola and right now I'm just concerned because I feel a little achy and have some flu-like symptoms. Then the doctor might well have picked up on the fact that this was Ebola rather than just a virus and gotten the man on an effective treatment rather than an antibiotic that doesn't do any good for a virus anyway, and might have begun protective measures for staff members. But his failure to give that history about what was going on with his life clouded the diagnosis and the treatment and created a tragedy that wasn't necessary. When it comes to tracking your medications, look first at your more recent medications. If you started a medication recently and then you're starting to have symptoms, yes, that's important that you mention to the doctor in terms of possibly being a part of when things started. One of the things patients will sometimes do, however, is want to blame a medicine that they've been on for 30 years with no problem. While that can happen, that is extremely rare. And the first presumption needs to be things that have happened more recently in your life. Now, the kind of thing that can be a remote event that can cause you a problem is something like the death of someone you loved. And when you start looking at it, You start feeling bad every time there's the anniversary either of their death or of their birth, both of which are occasions that remind you very much that that person is gone and how much you might miss them. Again, these can make you feel bad emotionally. It can also make you feel bad physically. So it's really, really important to tune into these issues. It's also very important that you have a good 
sense of what your current medical issues are so that your doctor knows about all of them. You don't tell your psychiatrist only about your psychiatric medicines. You don't tell your medical doctor only about your medical medicines. Any doctor who's treating you needs to know every medication you are taking, not just prescription meds, but over-the-counter meds, homeopathic medicines, even things like vitamins, aspirin, herbals, because any and all of those can interact with other medications and be a source of your problems. I recommend everybody keep a list that includes all of these chemicals that they're taking, all of their current working diagnoses, all of their current doctors, and any allergies they have, and also put these on a piece of paper along with their contact information, and always, always carry that with them because that can make a life and death difference for you. If, for example, you pass out in public and if there's something that the paramedics find that say you're, for example, diabetic, they're going to get you on the right treatment a whole lot more quickly than if they have to go through the whole screening process of what's going on and they also don't know how to reach your significant others to get any history from them. If you go to my website, which is godrjudy.com, that's G-O-D-R-J-U-D-Y.com, you'll actually find a link where you can download a, a information packet that allows you to list all of these things and also has a very handy form that you can use to take with you to your doctor where you're listing the things that are currently bothering you and putting together those things about when it started, how long it's been going on, how the symptoms have progressed, so that you don't forget to tell a doctor something. And it also allows you to write down what the doctor's recommendations are in terms both of medications and how you might take those or change those, any lifestyle changes you need to make, and any other changes that you need to work on. Why is this important? Because especially when you're feeling sick and you don't have anybody with you, it's easy for you to forget those things. Both the things that you should tell the doctor when you go in and the things you should be doing for your follow-up after you leave. It is surprising the number of patients who will call the office a few days after the appointment, expecting everybody to know immediately what it was that we recommended for them, and they clearly haven't begun that process yet. Another important thing is learning to read the label on your prescriptions because I've also had patients many times say, now how am I supposed to take this medication? And it's right there on the label on the prescription bottle. Now, while we're talking about the whole issue of prescriptions, 
another little thing that I want to tell you to help your fiscal health is be sure that you do check around with different pharmacies because the price of the same drug from one pharmacy to another can vary incredibly and put a big, bigger or lesser dent in your wallet. So I hope you're finding these all useful tricks for being able to take better care of your physical and your emotional health. For now, this is Dr. Judy Cook with Shrinkwrapped, bidding you a wonderful, wonderful week until we meet again next week. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network. 